I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Welcome to Inside Sources. I am Taylor Morgan. I am joined today by my co host, Mara Carabello, and we are filling in for Boyd Matheson here on Inside Sources. Mara and I are both involved in communications and political consulting. Uh, Mara is the owner at the Exoro Group, a Salt Lake City-based firm, and I'm a partner in Morgan May Public Affairs, and we are very excited uh, to have you joining us for Inside Sources. Mara, we have a great show lined up. There is a lot to talk about today. It's a terrific time to talk about current events because we are on day two of our legislative session, as our listeners know. Um, I'm wearing a tie, Mara. I I know. I saw you today in a full suit. I wear a suit. Only 45 45 days days out of the year, okay? So Utah has the distinction of being the shortest legislative session of all the states. We're 45 days start to finish, which means 33 working days. And the primary goal of the legislature is to pass a budget. But along with that, there are so many other issues of policy that come up. And we are going to get to many of those. But Taylor, today I want to start with a national issue. Um, that we, I think many of us have been following closely, and it is the Joe Biden classified documents. So we have had an extraordinary couple of years in which we have uh, a former president as well as a sitting president who are both being investigated by independent general counsels about having classified documents at, at a private, at, not at the White House. Everywhere. Private, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> Garages. Drawers, dressers, who knows, right? And this has been talked about so much. But, Taylor, you and I wanted to start the conversation from a public communications point of view. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to leave the debate about uh, what is, you know, the distinctions perhaps legally between uh, the former President Trump document situation and the ongoing President Biden document situation There may be a difference there, apples versus oranges. What we're going to focus on is the communications, the public relations, just how the administration in the White House, at least in my opinion, I don't want to speak for you here, Mara, but in my opinion, this is a communications disaster. I I don't know why they're not handling this more, more effectively from just a public relations standpoint. Yeah, so at our firm, we would have an axiom that says most political failures are communications failures. And this has the hallmarks of some failing. So I am going to draw some distinctions in which it appears 
in the Biden incidents that there was no prior knowledge of these documents and there was no attempt to withhold the documents. So you would think from a communications crafting, you would think, okay, well, you know, we've got an unintended error here. Let's get through it. So I think how we would generally approach what is under the category, let's say, of crisis communications, something we don't want to talk about, what we would say is – Let's make it not complicated, right? Let's make it as easy yep. as possible. And then the big thing is make sure when you talk to the public, it's not incomplete information. Absolutely. Meaning like dump it all at once. Yeah. Air all the dirty laundry. Just get it on out there and yeah. say, hey, listen, I got to be honest with you. This and this and this happened. Where they started, the Biden administration started to not handle this well is when we had two and three incidences. Yeah. Um, the first incident, to be honest, I was like, huh, okay, well, they seem to have turned themselves in and they – And then you're like, wait a minute, there's more. And wait a minute, there's more. So even though the data, the evidence appears to be that it was unintentional, suddenly the fact that it was incomplete information at the beginning and it's being parsed out gives the public, I think, the impression that there's something sort of not quite up and up going on. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Absolutely. And... Another key tactic in crisis communications is to limit the length of the news cycle, right? And this just keeps going on and on and on. It seems like every other day another classified document is found in President Biden's old Corvette or something. And it is making the White House appear as if they have been intentionally withholding and hiding uh, documents and, uh, you know, the the hiding or the possession of these classified Now, if you're documents. just joining us, I want to say I, 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 we're talking about what happens to the call and response between a scandal and the public. So, when Taylor, I think when you say, hey, it makes it looks like we're not speaking, as we said at the beginning, we're not sort of making legal arguments. Right. That's we're right. saying com- from a communications point of view. Uh, it appears as though Biden and his team have done a few things wrong. I want to start giving some examples of uh, the exchange that the Biden camp has been having. We have a cut from a Fox News reporter. His name is um, Peter Ducey. And he asked the president what he was thinking storing classified documents in his garage. And here's that exchange. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. 
So here's one thing that's interesting. It ma- the, the Corvette matters not. Oh, um, I don't, but, I don't know, know, Mara. But, I don't know. But that just confirms fun. his official senior boomer status, right? That is true, but Owning that is a Corvette. separate issue. But I want to say, effectively, you a minute ago, as well as Peter Ducey, sort of used the Corvette as somehow an indictment. Somehow, like if you're putting it where you put uh, uh, perhaps midlife crisis car, um, <laughs> that somehow that that diminishes his respect for the materials. So we're just pointing out the subtleties of how we consume data. Uh, it, it was a reporter who was going after sort of um, a, a, a criticism, right? He was not asking an open question. He was asking a point of view question. But you see, uh, from my point of view, it felt evasive on behalf of President Biden. It, it did. The optics were terrible. And in all fairness uh, to President Biden, there is stuff in my garage, Mara. I I do not own a Corvette, okay? But I have stuff in my garage that I don't know is there, right? So I can understand that. And I I guarantee you that every 70s, 80-something guy who owns a Corvette that is in the garage that he doesn't get to drive as often as he'd like also has stuff in his garage he doesn't know is there. But they're not classified Documents. Well, see, but again, in terms of communication, that is not actually the legal foundational point. So yeah. on behalf of sort of in the spirit of Boyd Matheson, who's not with us today, but digging a little deeper, how do you get to the the, the real meat on inside sources? Um, I think what we want to say is make sure you're listening to what's relevant. One of the things I think that has been done correctly in both the Trump um, instance in the Biden instance is that they've appointed independent general counsels, yeah. right? So you have reviewers, but watch as you listen to crisis communications. Are you responding to the setup? Are you responding to the color commentary? Um, and how are you filtering the information and from what sources? Because again, we would I would be on your team actually who had said, gosh, I don't think the Biden team has handled this very well. Yeah, definitely. But not. there's a difference, I think, between the communications games and and tricks that people play and the evidence. And I think we really want to map to the general counsels in both instances to see yeah. how we judge um, the appropriateness of of the the unprecedented discussions of classified documents um, by two presidents. Yeah. Well, stick with us. Listeners, coming up next, we are going to get into the battle over raising the debt limit. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 